We're back. Let's party. Yeah. All four of us are here. I hope everybody's excited because I'm excited. What's up, Dave Jamie Heath? I can't think of a more uh, appropriate song to welcome back the four of us on the same podcast than a song that was made 40 plus years ago <laughs> and is played at ball games every time somebody in the crowd guesses, uh, you know, which uh, hat the ball is under on the Jumbotron. It's Heath's Bar Mitzvah. Hey, Heath, what's up? Celebrate. It's my bar. I, you've completely and totally lost me. I don't know. You're it's, a man now. Congratulations. Thank you. And Jamie's here. The award winner, Jamie Eisenberg. That's why we're celebrating. Uh, you're the award winner, my friend. We're all award winners. Jamie, you're in Atlanta right now. How's it going out there? I'm uh, I'm sitting on Radio Row. I'm on our uh, wonderful CBS Sports uh, set, CBS Sports HQ set, CBS Sports Radio, CBS Sports Network. We are all... All together, uh, celebrating the uh, the CBS Super Bowl. What are you doing with the CBS Super Bowl? Uh, celebrating. Celebrating. It. That's right. Good word. I right, listen. Right. Jamie's got some stuff going on in the background, as you can hear. So we're gonna get him on to talk about what he um, what he uh, gathered at the Pro Bowl. Jamie's gonna hang with us for about ten minutes, and then uh, we're gonna do the rest of the show, including. My favorite six picks from the most recent mock draft, me agreeing with Heath on something, me disagreeing with Heath on something, and plenty more. Your email is fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. So, Jamie, let's start with Amari Cooper and what you uh, gathered uh, about Amari Cooper, who ended up as the number 18 wide receiver in fantasy, but he was much better than that in his nine regular season games, two postseason games with Dallas. What can you tell us about the Cowboys receiver? So I asked uh, I asked Amari, you know, he's – John Gruden spent the entire offseason uh, last year saying how much he was going to use Amari Cooper. and He was going to be, the, the quote was, the main vein of the passing game. And so I said to him, what was the difference in your, asked him, what was the difference in your trade going from Oakland to, to Dallas? And he said, I was just used more. And so I said to him, like, well, didn't Gruden say he was going to use you like as the focal point of the passing game? He was like, I don't know what's going on in that guy's head. Um <laughs> So I, I think it's just a matter of, you know, he feels like he'll be more involved. Uh, he was more involved. He's excited about the offseason to actually spend time with Dak Prescott. They don't have an office coordinator right now, but Jason Garrett may be more involved in the play calling. Um, and then Dak Prescott also, you know, he said that the biggest thing that he was able to work on with Amari on the fly was just them talking through the plays and getting, you know, to know each other. And he's excited also about just getting some time to be on the field together and have some free time to learn what each other likes, what they don't like, what works, what doesn't work. And I think that'll help Amari Cooper going into next season. Dave Heath, you look at Cooper and what he did with the Cowboys. He was on pace for about 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns, 94 catches, and a 16-game pace. Uh, he did have two enormous games. He had 180 yards and two touchdowns against the Redskins, 217 yards and three touchdowns against the Eagles. His final three regular season games were terrible. He had under 36 yards in all of them. I don't know. What did, did you? Were you bothered by the inconsistency or or what? Well, give me those numbers again. The 16 game. Yeah. Number. 94. So this is he had nine games with the Cowboys in the regular season. His 16 game pace: 94 catches, 1,289 yards, and 11 touchdowns. That's real close to what I have on a 16 game base. If you include the playoffs, which I don't think you did. No, he was also good in the playoffs. Yeah, he was very good in the playoffs. He would have finished if you if you extrapolate those numbers, top seven among all wide receivers. Gladly put him at number thirteen among all wide receivers, non PPR twenty nineteen. And uh, I, I think he's he's probably going to have some inconsistent moments again. But when you're looking for a receiver late round three, round four, you're going to be hard pressed to find one that you'll feel as good about as Amari Cooper. Yeah, I think he's a high-end number two wide receiver, and he's got a chance to be a number one wide receiver. I don't really care that much about consistency. I mean, Tyreek Hill is about as inconsistent as they come, and when we talked about uh, win rates for wide receivers, he was on one of the highest percentage of winning teams this year. So I, I, I'm going to be happy to have Amari Cooper as my number two next year. All right, Jamie. Uh, let's. So, so Jamie's got five takeaways. Uh, I think you can – Tell me, Jim, can you read about them on the site, or I know you're doing something with Will about them, because we'll get to maybe three of them on, on today's show. Uh, no, you can't read about them on the site. Not yet. Right, <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll probably be writing a lot of these throughout the offseason. Okay, okay, cool. But I know you talked to Will Brinson about it. Check out the Pick 6 podcast. Will's at Radio Row all week. Uh, but let's talk about the Steelers, because 
we don't know exactly where Antonio Brown will be next season, but but James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jamie, they're ready to be the guys for the Steelers. Yeah, I, I, it's uh, it's twofold. One, you know, Connor, um, I I think benefits from being in that scenario that he was in last year, and also benefits from being in the Pro Bowl. You know, you see guys sometimes that are around other stars, they act like stars, and he was carrying himself as if he was among the best players in practice. You know, just going through the the practices, more of a uh, a body language thing and I got a chance to speak to him a little bit and he just talked about how you know he doesn't necessarily view himself as the guy but I think you know you just kind of hear the confidence in his voice that this is a different player than he was going into the 2018 season and I think that's going to carry over to what his performance is in 2019 now Juju is in a different scenario because he doesn't know yet if he's going to be the number one guy there I think we can all sort of see the way this is heading that Antonio Brown's not coming back to Pittsburgh and he sort of said that this was a big learning experience for him too you know to sort of Take the leap in targets. Take the leap in, you know, being trusted. Take the leap in being a favorite, you know, option for Ben Roethlisberger. And that's something I think that will also carry over to the 2019 season, whether or not he is the number one guy. But again, I think that's the way this is headed. Uh, it just seems as if, you know, both these guys are ready to be those next two players in Pittsburgh, as we saw last year. Guys, what did you make of uh, the Steelers' terrible Week 17 performance against arguably the worst defense in the NFL? And Smith-Schuster, five catches, 37 yards, and a touchdown on 10 targets. But that was with Antonio, without Antonio Brown. I'll throw it to uh, Dave and Heath. You know, does, I guess my question is, is Brown better for Juju or, or worse for Juju? I think there's a chance and likelihood that we see Juju's efficiency go down. But if he's getting 140, 150 targets, I'm not sure that that really matters. So like, I don't necessarily see him average the same number of yards per reception or maybe he scores touchdowns at a little higher rate. He's going to be a top 10 wide receiver, probably whether Brown's there or not for me next year. Okay. I, I, I don't think he's the same type of wide receiver as Antonio Brown, but if you're going to lose a wide receiver off your team and you've got Juju Smith-Schuster ready to replace him as the number one guy, that's still a pretty good replacement. He can line up everywhere. You know that he can make huge plays off of short catches. He can also catch deep balls. So lots of versatility, just maybe not quite as fast or not as shifty as Antonio Brown. Does anybody think there's a chance that he stays? It sounds like there's been some softening from the Steelers. They, you know, Rooney came out and talked about how maybe, maybe there's a way, well, you, and the Steelers aren't letting Brown shop himself around. It really hurts that trade value if it's a must-trade situation. Right, so now you think it's all just trying to act like, oh, well, maybe we'll keep him after all. I think it is. I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we had what happened with Alex Smith last year, where the trade during Super Bowl week. You have some news that you know sort of supersedes the, the game. Okay. All right, and finally, Jamie, we got, uh, I think, a top 12. I think it was like 11th in non-PPR, about 13th in, in PPR. Philip Lindsay. You got a good Philip Lindsay story for us? Yeah, so uh, first off, um, I got a chance to, to talk to him about his uh, health. He says he'll be ready for OTAs. He's just waiting to get – he's in a cast. He didn't play in the Pro Bowl. He still showed up, but he, he, was, uh, he was there. And he talked about um, hopefully getting the, the, the flexion back in, in his wrist. Um, that was important to him. Um, before he starts to really go through his rehab. But he was uh, he was one of the coolest things that I saw there because he stayed inside autographs for almost every single person that was waiting for him well after practice ended. And just really a, a, a really friendly guy. Uh, you know, one of those guys you want to root for. I asked him if he felt like he was the biggest underdog at the Pro Bowl because of just where he came from for being undrafted, you know, to making the game. Um, but, uh, you know, I think just more importantly that his you know health will be fine and he'll be 100% ready to go for next season. And uh, Adam, well, I'm glad you're back, and uh, it's good to talk to you guys. Uh, I gotta go by. <laughs> All right, Jamie Eisenberg, thanks a lot for uh, for hopping on. And Philip Lindsay went in a very fun, interesting group of six straight running backs off the board in the uh, non PPR mock draft that you guys talked about uh, on your last show. Great show, by the way. Great job. It was Derrick Henry, Philip Lindsay, Marlon Mack, Leonard Fournette. Devontae Freeman and Sonny Michelle. Derrick Henry, Philip Lindsay, Marlon Mack, Leonard Fournette, Devontae Freeman, Sony Michelle. Who's your favorite of that six? I uh I I did a number on this one today trying to figure out who my favorite really was of the six. And I think I came to the conclusion that it was Lindsay. I like the potential. I think he can do more work in the in the offense there. 
Uh, I'll take another look at it before I actually drop the rankings later this week. But Lindsey's got potential to get even more work in the passing game and um, be the main guy in Denver, their best running back. Yeah, I'm really curious what this – there's a lot of opportunity in Denver for the running game going with the defensive head coach. I think my favorite's still Sony Michelle, though. How come? I think there's just too much upside. I don't really expect the Denver offense to be that good. Sony Michelle could score 15 to 20 touchdowns next year. When you look at Philip Lindsay, he had, what, like 25 catches last year? Very uninvolved in the passing game. But – doesn't he look like the kind of player that needs to be more involved yes. in the passing game? Yes. In I, fact, when when I studied him during the preseason, that was the role that I thought yeah, he could get. Yeah. But I, maybe I he I, wasn't as good of a pass blocker as Booker, and that's why Booker um, got that job. Remember, later on in the season, when Freeman went down, Lindsey and Booker were splitting the reps, and Booker was the one taking third-down work. That yeah. coaching staff was more comfortable with uh, with Booker protecting the quarterback. Sony Michelle is definitely boosting his stock in the playoffs. You know, he kind of limped to the finish line. He in five of his last six games, uh, four of his last five games, he scored six or fewer fantasy points. Seven or fewer fantasy points in in PPR. He had one catch in those five games. So he had four or five games with 63 or fewer rushing yards and no touchdowns. Uh and boy his his stock certainly, I mean Heath just said is his favorite guy in that group of six that we just mentioned, because he's had two straight games with 24 or more carries, 113 or more rushing yards, and five total touchdowns. But we do know that Patriots running backs tend to not get that much work on a weekly basis until December. Yeah. So it's not surprising that he got a lot of work toward the end of the year. The Patriots typically do that with their backs. I I suppose it would change if the Patriots don't add some firepower to their passing game and they really, really buy into Sony Michelle being the main cog of the offense, i.e. taking some work, some significant work off of Tom Brady. So how you guys been? What's up? Oh, we've been fantastic. How was your I want to tell you a lot better until today. I want to tell you about <laughs> all the plays that I watched from the Pro Bowl. And I'm done. Oh, uh, yeah. Save here. Save here. Low scoring affair. Well, uh, I, I couldn't tell you a thing that happened in the Pro Bowl. Patrick Mahomes was the MVP. Jason Witten broke the trophy. Jason Witten broke the trophy? Oh, yes. I, First, I can't defend after, that. I can't defend that. After Mahomes threw a touchdown pass to Eric Ebron, Jason Witten said— Of course Ebron scores. He scores everywhere. That's Witten says Ebron's been his guy all year, oh. <laughs> which not not true, Jason Witten. And then he broke the MVP trophy trying to hand it to the uh, to Mahomes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, Adam, Yeah. keep Jason Witten away from your baby. So you guys like want to ask me how my month was or anything like that or not, no, don't no. care? Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, we pretty much know, like you already do absolutely nothing when you work. <sighs> so the fact that you not nothing, I mean nothing outside of your job. Like you oh, don't go oh. anywhere. You don't leave the house. I assume that you just didn't even turn lights on or use your shower or change clothes for the last month. I want to know how the most important creature in your house reacted to you winning the best host award. She meowed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were all very excited about the awards. Um, You earned that one, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. I I hope so. And I I earned it because of stats of the day, like the one I'm about to give, you know, I was going through, uh, what I thought were the six best picks from our latest mock draft. And the last one I had was Jimmy Garoppolo, 155th overall QB 16. And that's when I saw, Nick Mullins was seventh in the NFL in passing yards per game. Seventh. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo just needs one more weapon, and they'll get him something. And he, to me, has the best chance of being this year's Patrick Mahomes. You know, tenth-ish round pick that gives you first-round value. I love Jimmy Garoppolo as the 16th quarterback off the board. Could you make similar cases for other quarterbacks, though? Yeah, yeah, but I just think like it's it's unbelievable how good Kyle Shanahan is and how good Jimmy Garoppolo has been. You know, he was okay in three starts this year. Yeah. Uh but he was better obviously at the end of that. If you take away the Minnesota game, he was good. Um so I don't know. I that to me is the guy if you say who's the next Mahomes, that's the first guy I'm looking at. There is no other Mahomes. Um but he could definitely be the guy that you draft 
outside of the top 10 quarterbacks that is a top six quarterback. Top two, top three quarterback. I could see him getting up to fourth. I can't see Jimmy Garoppolo getting up to fourth. I could see him being top 10. And that probably would have to coincide with Antonio Brown landing in San Francisco or somebody else landing there. I think Dante Pettis can, you know, we didn't see much of Pettis with Garoppolo. Love Pettis. Pettis is going to get more work with Jimmy G. I'd like to see Jimmy G connect better downfield. 15-plus yard throws. I'm not sure he's quite as good at that as, say, Patrick Mahomes. But my my quarterback that I'm going to look at late and draft in a bunch of leagues is Josh Allen. Yeah, yep. That definitely could make a case there. I think he could have some seriously silly numbers in 2019. All right, Saturday, the day number two. I just heard Dave mention this on the last podcast you guys did, that Trey Burton was the number six tight end in non-PPR. Uh, that is true. He was number eight in PPR. But in non-PPR, just him being number six is hilarious because he was 36 fantasy points behind number five and 65 fantasy points behind number four and seven points ahead of number 10. So after your top four tight ends, a huge drop-off to Jared Cook, and then after Jared Cook, a huge drop-off to everyone else. Uh, so that's why sometimes where you finish can be a little bit deceiving. And uh, I give you Trey Burton. All right, time for a fun segment. Adam disagrees with Heath. Oh, I missed this. But don't worry, because there is also Adam Agrees with Heath coming up soon. Yeah, I heard Heath talking about how Todd Gurley is no longer his number one player for 2019. I think Dave agreed, too. Yeah, Todd Gurley's not my number one either. You guys are crazy. You're crazy. I go away for a month and you guys take crazy pills? Is that what happened? Uh, Did you watch any football while you were gone for this month? Did you watch football before I was gone? I did. He still was the number one running back in non-PPR, number two in PPR, or number three in PPR. That was with missing the last two games of the season. He's the best the, player. He's the best Did you listen back. to the podcast when we discussed why he was not number one? I the Yes, I did. It's the why, where this... Um, it's not because I think that Todd Gurley is bad, or I think that Todd Gurley lost it. I think he's probably nicked, and he's going to have a minor procedure in the offseason, even though he keeps saying he's fine. My concern is Todd Gurley's workload changes. I don't think that's okay. That's see, fair. I don't think it's going to happen because he, first of all, he's not like a major workload guy. He's not like Zeke. He's like a 280 carry kind of guy. He's not like a 350. How many catches? 60. Okay. Well, that's part of the workload. It's a great workload, but it's not like, oh, he's relying on having the most touches in the NFL. He had 340 touches in 2017 in 15 games which is a ton. Yeah, it's a lot. This, this year he had 315 and 14 games. And did the Rams just learn that they could find a running back off the scrap heap? No. Put him in their offense. No. And get something effective out of him while taking work off of Todd Gurley? No, I think why they would, they're not going to take, they're not going to take work off of Todd Gurley. Cause you know what I was thinking during, especially during the Cowboys game when CJ Anderson had a very good game. I was thinking like, man, if Todd Gurley had gotten more carries, he would have rushed for 200 yards. Like, C.J. Anderson was great. Todd Gurley was better. It, you know, he's sure. just better. And they had the second-best offense in football this year. He's going to be on a better offense than the Cowboys, than the Giants, than, any, than, than the Panthers, any running back that you might take ahead of him. He's going to score the touchdowns. They're not, they're not going to have a two-back system. They're going to feed Todd Gurley. He's going to get well over 300 touches and be the number one player in fantasy. What if they win the Super Bowl this week with a two-back system? They won't win the Super Bowl with a two-back system. The only way they're winning the Super Bowl, which I think they will, by the way, is if Todd Gurley has a huge game, which he will. He could have a huge game. He had a huge game against Dallas, right? Yes. Uh, well, yeah, like, and so did C.J. Anderson. Care. It doesn't matter, Heath. It doesn't matter. Todd Gurley is going to get the work. Todd Gurley is going to be the guy. They are not taking carries away from him. I okay. disagree with that. Well, you are joined by a Twitter And more importantly, audience. I don't not you don't know. I don't know, but we have reason for concern that that's going to happen right now on January whatever it is, 28th. 28th. We have no reason for concern that Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley is going to be in a timeshare. At all. Zip. Zilch. Uh, there's just, Todd Gurley is not going to be in a timeshare. That's ridiculous. Who's the number one pick in He fantasy? is currently in a timeshare. He's in a timeshare because he's got a bad knee. He clearly has a bad knee. Like, he's been very clear that he does not. He's he lying because he was on a bike 
during the Saints game on the sideline, and he was flexing his leg. He's obviously hurt. Uh, who's the number one pick in fantasy in PPR leagues next year, I asked. Nearly 4,000 votes are in. 37% Todd Gurley, 9% Ezekiel Elliott, 49% Saquon Barkley. He's the winner. 5% someone else, which would most likely be Christian McCaffrey or maybe even Alvin Kamara. Um, so Barkley's winning, Gurley's second, nobody else is close. Interesting. Um, okay, now time for Adam Agrees with Heath. Are you excited for this segment? No, no. <laughs> okay, Heath, don't spoil anything, please, because I have a few episodes left. But you were right about Ozark. That show is awesome. Oh, yeah, it's it's fantastic, and it's going to get better. That is what I mostly did in these two months. Or, sorry, one month, four weeks of paternity leave. I took an Ozark, and it was great. You didn't work at all for a month. That's not true. Not even close to true. Uh, n- yeah. What? I think it should be. It should be, but yes. I unfortunately did work a little bit. Um, not nearly as much. I'm just. I'm wondering how many people listening could get away with not working for a month. I, I was on paternity leave for a month. I, did you deliver the baby? I could take another week, and I didn't. Well, I'm, I listen. I'm happy that you're back. I mean, you are the podcast host of the year. Stop. Um, but a month is pretty excessive. What? Do you know how many days I missed on the birth of my kids? How many? I worked the night my daughter was born. Really? It was a Sunday. I think I took three days off for each of my kids. And my son was born in July, so I had a little bit more me, time. Me too. So I, he was born in July. I worked all of football season, and then I took January off. That's cool. Literally wrote a column with my newborn daughter in my arms. That's very cute. Like in my lap. Uh, the Eagles, let's do some news and notes. The Eagles could be interested in Kareem Hunt, according to the Philly Voice. Uh, the, mm-hmm. pa- the Packers could release Jimmy Graham. Here's a fun stat on Jimmy yes, Graham. Yes, that's probably going to happen. He was second on the team in targets, catches, yards, and touchdowns. And he had a terrible year. Yeah, that tells you just how bad the rest of that receiving core was. Here's the thing, though. like Aaron Rodgers had kind of a rough year, but I mean, it wasn't, wasn't Aaron Rodgers. Jimmy Graham was his second best target in the passing game well you could look at it that way but also i would say geronimo allison was better when he was healthy valdez scantling had a stretch where he was better it's just graham played 16 games but what you're saying is that it's not all aaron Rodgers' fault it's it's not all aaron Rodgers' fault, fault but this this does not feel like the great first step to fixing things releasing jimmy graham why they free up nine million bucks in cap space if they designate him post june 1st Maybe they try and restructure him and they bring him back. Aaron and Rogers, maybe he accepts that because I don't know. I don't know how popular he would be on the free agent market if he was available. Aaron Rodgers was the number nine quarterback in six point per passing touchdown leagues. Uh, Dallas quarterback coach Kellen Moore expected to be promoted to the offensive coordinator position, according to NFL Network. So we would think business as usual there, offensively. Maybe even a little bit, a little bit more aggressive throwing the football, which would be delightful for Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and Blake Jarwin. Uh, so this is what I got on, on Prescott in nine games with Amari Cooper, not counting the playoffs. Uh, he, uh, let's say he played 16 games at that nine game pace. He would have finished 10th in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues, 7th in four-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. Uh, now, that doesn't factor injuries. That That's not on a per-game basis. That's with him playing 16 and other guys you know, not playing 16 necessarily. Yeah, you can absolutely make the case for Dak as a top-12 fantasy quarterback. I, I haven't f- d- finished slash done slash started my rankings yet, um, but I anticipate that I will have him ahead of Carson Wentz. Yeah, I figured you would. And I, yeah. you would probably figure that I would not. I think in a four-point per passing touchdown league, that that makes sense. He has had three straight years with six rushing yeah. touchdowns. Yeah. I've got uh, – they are both going to be in my top 12. Cam Newton had arthroscopic shoulder surgery. Speaking of quarterbacks, who won't be in my top 12. Uh, the ball may have been tipped. There seems to be some angles that you could look at of the pass interference play where the ball may have been tipped. But okay. it doesn't matter because it was still a legal blow to the head. If if the referees made that call on the field, 
of course that would have negated the pass interference, but not the helmet to helmet that he was. Of course not. Right. Uh, And uh, yeah, yeah. Roby Coleman is now talking about how Tom Brady isn't the same guy he once was. I, you know, I I saw that. I actually, I didn't think it was that bad. Like what he said, accurate. It's probably true. Sure, it's definitely true. But you know that's going to find its way to the bulletin board in the AFC locker room at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Oh, oh yeah. It's, it's he, he's getting scored on on Sunday. Um, we still don't know where Antonio Brown will be next season. Although the recent report is that they're not letting him seek a trade and the Redskins are not having Alex are not planning on having Alex Smith next season. Back to the Antonio Brown item, there was a report as well this past week that suggested the Steelers weren't getting offers that they thought they would for him. So if 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 all they're going to get is a second round pick for Antonio Brown, it would make sense that they try and reconcile. And that would be best for his fantasy value. If he stays in Pittsburgh, it would be absolutely the best for him. He would be my number one receiver in fantasy if he stays in Pittsburgh. But not for Heath, right? No, Heath and Jamie, we all have different guys at number one. Yeah, he's not my number one. I never got a chance to say this, but that was the thing that kind of stood out. How I knew I wanted to get back to work because I was listening to the show and I kept wanting to blurt something out. Do, do you notice the diff, You know the similarities with Antonio Brown's 2016 stats and 2018 stats? You know, because I, I know that you look at Antonio Brown's stats and it looks like a player who's falling off a little bit. But that's what it looked like in 2016 as well. And 2017 was possibly his best year. I think he was on pace for like, over 1,800 receiving yards. So I just want to point that out, that it, he may have fooled us once before. You know? But we, but we won't get fooled again. We won't get fooled again. Uh, Dave, you are not going to be here most likely on our second show this week, which will be, of course, a Super Bowl preview. Mm-hmm. Would you like to give some Super Bowl thoughts? Yes or no? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. We'll get to Dave's Super Bowl thoughts and... My favorite six picks from our latest mock draft right after this. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, Dave, who's going to win? The New England Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. And I, I say that with the enthusiasm of going on a field trip to your local school library. <laughs> because it's just, you know, ho-hum, Patriots win again. But I really feel like Bill Belichick, with two weeks to prepare against Jared Goff, who's in the biggest spot he's ever been in in his life, um, I, I I think that they're going to find ways, definitely slow down the run. That run defense has been pretty good over the balance of the season. I know Damian Williams had a big game last week. That doesn't bother me. I think they'll figure out ways to to pressure Jared Goff versus the Rams, who won't have many ways to pressure Tom Brady. He was unflappable last week against Can- or the last time he played rather against Kansas City. I just think the Patriots are the better team. The sum of their parts is better than the sum of the Rams parts. The Rams might actually have better players if you're just going to study the players. But I think the Patriots win, and I think they win by a touchdown. I disagree with uh, many things you said there. Go on. Well, I don't believe in the Belichick two weeks thing because this is their ninth Super Bowl in the Brady-Belichick era, right? They're 5-3, and three, is that right? Sure. Every single game they've played is a close game. And that's, you know, if you're tired of seeing the Patriots in the Super Bowl, you get a great game every single time they play. And, you know, he's got two weeks to prepare for Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Well, they had to win that one in overtime. He's got two weeks to prepare for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Well, we know how that turned out. Close games. He's got two weeks to prepare for Doug Peterson and Nick Foles, and they lost. So that just hasn't really come to fruition. Uh, I think, I actually think the Rams have a better team overall. And that's pretty much all I disagree with you. And I'm picking the Rams if Todd Gurley is healthy, which obviously I won't fully know, but I'm hoping that two weeks off really helps him. And, My one uh, other thing that's still, still just sour grapes is, uh, the Tom Brady was unflappable against the Chiefs. 
he threw two interceptions and had a third called back because of D Ford's offsides and had one touchdown pass. One interception. How many times was one he was sacked? Fault. He was. I don't think he was. Right. So that's what I was looking at. Oh yeah, the offensive line did a good job. That's. I mean, but Brady was not great in that game. He just kind of got lucky. He I, definitely got lucky. I thought he was great uh, late. Yeah. yeah, he was great. You know what? Both of those things are true. Yeah. I think there were a lot of things that definitely went his way, and he did really have great command late in the game. And I, yeah. I think they're going to pick on Marcus Peters. I think the pass rush will not be a factor. I think he'll have time to throw. I think Sony will be able to run. I think James White has a big game. In fact, yeah. I'm going to set a daily lineup, yep. and you know it's one of these you know showdown lineups where you pick a captain. James White's going to be my captain. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I he, think he's... I think the Patriots are going to copy what the Saints did. They're going to throw to their running backs out of the backfield and look for those matchups against the linebackers. James White's going to have a good game. He's got a history of uh, doing doing well in the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, all right. We'll talk more about it on Thursday, or I think Wednesday, I believe, is our second show. So uh, at some point this week, we will talk more about it. Thank you, Dave, for your Super Bowl thoughts. You're welcome. What is your favorite Super Bowl food? Nachos. Okay. All right, so I went through the mock draft. You guys talked about it. You did a great job discussing your teams and some interesting picks. Just uh, six picks that stood out, and it's now down to five because I already talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. But let's just go through um, two in the sec- in the third round, guys, that I thought were great values. A.J. Green, 28th overall, 11th wide receiver off the board. Keenan Allen, 32nd overall, 14th wide receiver off the board. I'd be thrilled to have either of those guys in the third round outside of the top 10 wide receivers, A.J. Green and Keenan Allen. Agree completely. You're exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I think those are going to be very popular and early third round picks, and especially in non PPR. Full PPR, you might see them trickle up into round two, late round two. Uh, the thing you worry about with both of them is probably injuries, first and foremost. AJ Green, each of the last two seasons, he hasn't finished healthy. Allen's been there, though. He's, he's finished the season pretty healthy, but it's that first half of the year where he's played like he hasn't been healthy each of the last two seasons. So you might have to be a little more patient with. Keenan Allen than you would be with AJ Green, but I think both of them have uh, potential. You could obviously draft them to be your wide receiver one if you want to, but getting them as your wide receiver two by going running back receiver or something like that with your first two picks—that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Picking early is is going to be a lot of fun this year. If you've got one of the first six or seven picks on draft day, I think you're going to be a little happier yeah. than the guys that are picking eight and later. But but Keenan Allen went with the. Fifth to last pick of round three, so he was pretty late. That was and, and that was an unbelievable steal. Yeah, and, and then after that, you know, I mentioned the six running backs that went off the board. Um, you know, in the same range: Henry, Lindsey, Mac, Fournette, Freeman, Michelle. That was right after Keenan Allen. Uh, so there are eight more picks made, or seven more picks made before another wide receiver comes off the board, and it was Amari Cooper. Uh, so okay, so glad uh, Heath agrees with me. Adam agrees with Heath. Heath agrees with Adam. Great segment. I love Jamie's Carryon Johnson pick, 42nd overall. Carryon Johnson was the 22nd running back off the board. He averaged 5.4 yards per carry, YPC for life. Three games with 15 or more carries. He had 101 yards against the Patriots, 158 at the Dolphins, 87 and a touchdown against Carolina. I don't. I loved it, guys. Uh, what do you think about Carryon Johnson, 42nd overall? I think he has a lot of upside at running back 22, but I don't know that it's necessarily a steal or something I, I would. That's right about where he belongs. Just because I have so much concern about what are the Lions in 2019. Well, Can they run at all? Okay. I think they're going to try like hell to. Yeah. Daryl Bevel stop the anybody? New offensive coordinator. I think, the, I think the bigger concern is they're going to run. Can Carrion Johnson handle 300 touches over the balance of a season? Mm-hmm. And will he even get that opportunity? Because we've seen the Lions year after year after year use multiple running backs. Now, Jim Bob Cooter was a big reason for it. He's gone. But Matt Patricia probably isn't going to stick with one running back unless that guy really earns it. He's not going to begin the year as an every down 70% of the snaps type of running back. I'd be surprised if that happened. However, Theo Riddick is probably going to get cut. LeGarrette Blunt is old. Who's going to be there? Do they draft another running back? I don't know if the Lions can spend the draft capital on another back. Do they bring in Zach Zenner and he's the complimentary guy? 
I do think there's an opportunity. 70% might be a little stiff, but 60% of the snaps this, and a lot of touches, 15 plus touches for carry on Johnson with goal line work. And he can catch the ball. I, I, I think he would be okay as a round three pick. This was what the fourth year in a row. The lions have talked about how they were going to establish the run and be better at running the but football. But they were with him and that, they were, they were going to run the ball more. They ran the ball 404 times and threw it 574. They were with him though. He they when Carryon Johnson was healthy and being featured, I think they ran the ball pretty well. Sure, I, they, that's, that's not necessarily they didn't run it well. It's that they're behind, so they don't run it enough. Yeah, I think the other flip side of that is that it took them a long time to really come around on Carryon Johnson, and when they really started leaning on him, he got hurt. Yeah, I'd like you, to, I'd like to see the offensive line get addressed this off season. You know, the quarterback's going to stay the same. Um, and Daryl Bevel has worked. He's done amazing things, but he's done it with amazing running backs, Adrian Peterson and Marshawn Lynch. So we have to see Carryon Johnson prove it a little bit. Banking on that with a late third-round pick to fourth round, which is where Jamie picked him, I, I don't think that that's a stretch at all. I think that's the type of pick you're going to have to make to get Carryon. Yeah. How many games do you think Carryon Johnson had 15 carries this year? Three. I just gave this stat. Exactly. Good yeah. job, Adam. <laughs> and he was great in all three of them. He had two of two, 15 or more yeah. carries. He had more than 100 yards twice. He had 87 yards and a touchdown against the Panthers uh, in the other one. So, uh, on Johnson, I, I like the pick. I, I would have been excited to get him. The next running back off the board was Darius Geis. And to me, there's, to me, right now, I mean, things change. Right now, it's clear I'd take Johnson over Geis. How about you guys? Agreed. And Geis is probably going to be one of those running backs that you're going to draft and say, well, there's nothing else left at the running back position that I feel great about, so I'm going to roll with, with the upside of what we think Darius Geis can be. And it looks like he's going to return to full health, and we'll see who his teammates are in Washington. It, it's interesting because he was the better prospect. Um, he was a guy on. to be, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he was. for sure. Like He was a better yes. running back than carry on a year ago today. Well, and, he was a better prospect. I wonder about about the injuries because Dave did mention that, like, on draft day or after the draft, that was one of the first things Dave said. Like the guy was carry on Johnson was consistently nicked up and I don't think he missed a lot of games necessarily, but he was always dealing with injuries and he got hurt again last year. And he had a ton of work at Auburn. Yeah. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise that he sprained his knee late in the year. And he says he's fine now. Um, somebody talked to him from Detroit. Uh, one of the newspapers talked to him recently and he says he's healthy. He's getting ready to start his offseason program at Auburn. Uh, I, I feel good about carry on. I would, I would draft him ahead of Darius Geis as of now. But mm -hmm. things change once yeah. training camp starts and the preseason starts. You guys know that. All right, two more picks that uh, stood out to me. And then, then you just start to realize these are just guys you like. <laughs> but Doug Baldwin, 54th overall, 22nd wide receiver off the board. Uh, yeah, I, it was obviously a bad year for him, but he had a training camp injury and maybe wasn't right for more than half the season and he was a top 12 wide receiver in non-PPR and PPR doesn't matter the format three years in a row I don't think he's too old or anything like that I don't think he's injury prone all of a sudden I just think it was a bad year and if I got Doug Baldwin as the 22nd wide receiver off the board in the fifth round I'd be very happy he was very touchdown heavy late in the year his last seven games 50 targets 30 catches 375 yards Five touchdowns. Yeah. Yep. I wish the numbers were a little better other than the touchdowns. But I guess I'm willing to give him a pass. Uh, how about you, Baldwin? I don't think this is a bad place to take him. But He's going to be in an interesting pick. mix. I, I, I would probably aim for him a little bit later than this. Like he, he Actually, this is interesting. Tyler Lockett went one pick ahead of Doug Baldwin. Thoughts? I, I loved watching Lockett play. It's going to be very hard to expect him to score double-digit touchdowns on such low volume. And I, he had I, a touchdown every seven targets, something like that. Right. Yes. And and you just kind of have to expect that everyone in this passing offense is low volume now. Well, and I would. I I yeah. think I'd probably like Lockett a little more just because there's a better chance he scores. I mean, it's not likely that he scores like he did last year, but I would like his chances of making a big play on five targets better than Baldwin's. So you would take Lockett ahead of Baldwin? I think so. Okay. Last pick I liked, you guys talked about him a little bit on your last show, uh, was Cortland Sutton, 86th overall. 
And yeah, he it wasn't great. He caught, as Dave mentioned, 50% of his targets, but he averaged 16.8 yards per catch. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I liked it. It stood out to me as maybe you're getting a number one receiver there. Not a number one fantasy receiver, but uh, Corlin Sutton, right after Michael Gallup, right before Golden Tate, Christian Kirk, Sterling Shepard. Yeah, I liked it. I like uh, Corlin Sutton to Will Brinson, 86th overall. It's it's hard to nitpick the 86th overall pick in a fantasy draft. Well, what do you think about him compared to Gallup, Tate, Christian Kirk, Sterling Shepard? I think, I mean, Tate, it's going to completely depend on where he lands and how much competition he has for targets. But my initial impression is I'm probably going to like Golden Tate more than Cortland Sutton. I'm uh, going to like Kirk and Tate yeah, more than Sutton. I, I, I don't see Sutton like going into the draft as more than a number four wide receiver, and you're hoping. I've got Sutton. This is tentative. You know it's going to change, but I've got Sutton one spot higher than Gallup in my receiver rank. Around 40? Uh, I could judge. I don't have the actual number, but I can get it. Just okay, well then, forget that one. We'll just use Jimmy Garoppolo as my other yeah. pick I liked. How about that? Right around 40. It's like you could see my rankings. Oh. I cannot. Well, you could if I showed them to you. Here, take a peek. Okay, right around 40. Mm, good job. Uh, all right, let's uh, read some emails. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. This one is from Dakota. Dakota says, hey, Adam and Dave. Now that's interesting. I don't, that's weird that it would be addressed to Adam and Dave since I haven't been on the show in a month and Heath's on every show. I don't know. But Heath, you can sit this one out. 12 team PPR league. We have one keeper per team. I won my league. I finished with two losses. I am keeping Todd Gurley and I drafted Christian McCaffrey. Uh, wondering who do you think I should keep? Gurley or McCaffrey? Got, cause he, you know, he's got, Gurley's a little bit older. What do you think, guys? I'd go Gurley. He's oh, not Heath, no, I'm sorry. Heath, I was joking. Can, who do you say, you can, Adam? I would go with Gurley. think you know, know where I'm going with that. I would go with Gurley. Yeah, just get on the record. That's all. Yeah. Heath? Um, what? Okay, next Are we one. we another email? Next one. Uh, this is Will in... F- Wait, I want to know Heath's answer. I do, too. I'm genuinely interested. Okay. Gurley, McCaffrey, PPR, who would you rather keep? I haven't decided yet, but I would like. I lean right now today towards McCaffrey. Okay. Okay. When do you think you're going to decide that? I believe I have to decide by Monday. Oh, rankings are coming out? I think so. But it's not, it's keeper rankings, you know? I understand. But there's not, like, these guys are both young. They're both in the prime of their career. It wouldn't be that much different. Yeah, I wonder. Especially a one-keeper league. I mean, it's not like it's Dynasty. Sure. Okay. Next email is from Will. He wrote 40 mil, but I think it should be Fort Mill. The yeah. Y and the T are next to each other, you know. Dear Drew, Archie, Aaron, and Billy Joe. Saints quarterbacks. That's right. I'm in a 10-team, three-player PPR keeper league. Three-player keeper PPR league. No draft picks lost on keeping players. I am keeping McCaffrey and Le'Veon Bell. My last spot is up for grabs. Antonio Brown, Michael Thomas, George Kittle, or Damian Williams. I have to make my cuts by the Super Bowl. So pick one. Antonio Brown, Michael Thomas, George Kittle, or Damian Williams? I'd play it safe and keep Thomas. Yeah, definitely Thomas. I'd, even if you told me tomorrow Antonio Brown has made up with Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers and he's going to sign a lifetime contract, I would still keep Michael Thomas. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, this is Kevin from... <sighs> All right. Leicester? I think it's Leicester. Or Leicester? It could be Leicester. It could be Leicester. Because Leicester City is the soccer team, I believe. But every city in Massachusetts, just spell your name, like, phonetically, just say it. I don't... All right, anyway. They got it right with Boston. Yeah. Dear Poppy, Kenny B, Babu, and Tim W. Those are Seinfeld characters, right? Are they? Oh, yeah. Poppy's getting sloppy. I've heard you mention the Packers receiving core and what you expect next year from them. I haven't heard you say anything about the possibility of Geronimo Allison not being there. Do you think it's a foregone conclusion that the Packers don't let Allison sign somewhere as he is a re- restricted free agent? Could you expand? Oh, uh, yeah. He's, he is a restricted free agent. They will tender him probably at the second round value. No one will touch him, and he'll be back with the pack for one more year. And he'll be in a contract year. That'll be exciting. And he's got a big opportunity because he actually went – 
I mentioned Cortland Sutton as a pick I like, but Allison went a lot later, 113th overall. Wow, that's around 10. I I bet you I bet you a pop that it'll be at least one round higher than that come August. I bet you a pop that I will not take Cortland Sutton when Geronimo Allison is available. Yeah, I agree. Yep, that was that's a much better pick. I should have gone with Geronimo Allison. Uh, do you guys think he's the number two receiver for the Packers? If the Packers keep it that way during the offseason, then yes. But I, I think Green Bay is going to add something. They have to. Devontae Adams was great. They had to lean on him because they had nothing else after Allison got hurt. And maybe that new coaching staff says, eh, Allison's more of a three than a two. They're going to let Cobb go. I, I, they're going to draft someone. This is a pretty, this is starting to look like a really nice, maybe more deep is the better word, receiving class in the draft. I could see them adding one of these slot receivers that just stepped up in the senior bowl and uh, giving some firepower to their offense. That would hurt Geronimo. So Allison played the first four weeks before getting hurt, and then he played one more game and got hurt. But in those first four weeks, he was very consistent, 64 to 80 receiving yards, anywhere from 64 to 80, with two touchdowns. He had five or six catches in three of the four games and only two catches uh, at Washington. But he was good. From Brandon, 12-team, two-quarterback, PPR keeper league. So it's a two-quarterback league. Uh, keep two of the following. Russell Wilson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Keenan Allen, A.J. Green, and Todd Gurley. Juju and Gurley for me. Wilson and Gurley for me. Two-quarterback league. you got to keep those quarterbacks. Hey, you know how I roll in the two-quarterback league. I'm not I'm not taking a quarterback gener- generally in the first couple of rounds still in a two-quarterback league. With 12 teams in there, as deep and fun as the quarterback position is, I'd like to have a little safety but, there. Yeah, but you're not keeping the number one quarterback or a top five quarterback. He's pretty close to a top five. I know he didn't finish top five this past year, but he can get there. I, I want to have at least one really safe, good quarterback in a two-quarterback league. If it was Patrick Mahomes or Andrew Luck or Aaron Rodgers, then I would probably keep them over those guys. Does it matter if it's so, okay? We're talking Russell Wilson versus Juju, Keenan Allen, AJ Green, and Todd Gurley. Gurley is going to be one of the keepers for sure. So it's Wilson versus one of those three wide receivers, Juju, Allen, and Green. Uh, does it matter if it's four point per passing touchdown instead of six? Not for me. Yeah, not for me either. You said that's kind of interesting. It's like Wilson's better in four point per passing touchdown leagues than he is in six. I don't think he was this past year. Yeah, we talked about just how much he hasn't been rushing. Yeah, well, he didn't have a rushing touchdown, but I. I that's and he was extreme. That, that's the problem. Is that when he finished sixth, seventh, eighth, something like that at quarterback this year with an absurd touchdown rate, he's got regression coming. If he doesn't run more next year, you got problems. Unless he just ends up throwing a little more. Well, I guess then just to generalize it, give me a quarterback that you think is better in four point than six point. Deck. Okay, so let's take Dak Prescott. Yeah, anybody that runs. Yeah, all right. So we take those guys. They're better in four-point than six-point, but if you're in a two-quarterback league, all of a sudden the advantage they have is like quarterback's not as important now because they score fewer points. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not explaining. I still think quarterbacks are important when you have to start two. And there's 11 other teams in the league. And then I think looking. I at, think my answer changes. Honest to God, I think my answer changes if we're talking about an eight-team or a ten-team two-quarterback league. But those yeah. extra two teams, yeah, it yeah. just makes it harder. I want to be prepared. Yeah, we were in a twelve-team two-quarterback league this this year. And was it easy? Could you find quarterbacks easily? Hell no. Yeah, I, hard. I, I took three fairly early in the draft. I won the league, but and Heath also Heath and I had the two best teams. And I know my two quarter my three quarterbacks were. Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Jameis Winston. And I drafted Winston third because he was suspended for three games. Um, and I ended up, you know, using Winston and, uh, and Roethlisberger down the stretch. Um, but yeah, I don't, do you remember? So I didn't, I didn't take like any of the total studs, but I didn't wait too long to get my quarterbacks. Heath, do you remember who your quarterbacks were in a 12 team, two QB league? Uh, Kirk Cousins, Josh Allen, and somebody else. Okay. I generally don't like in that league specifically, and it's usually been a ten, ten team until this year, so it's been a little different approach. But yeah. 
that's about as good as my quarterbacks have been. But that league usually goes pretty crazy on quarterbacks early too. All right, last email here is uh, Steve from Hamilton, Ontario. I've been in the same league for 20-plus years, and we have a deep keeper league with standard scoring where we keep 10 players. I've been tossing a deal around with another owner. Normally, I'm not afraid of risk, but I can go either way on this one. All right, so there are a lot of people involved here, everybody, so, you know, pen and paper out. This is a non-tight end league, by the way, for what that's worth. Uh, Ezekiel, okay, he would be giving up Ezekiel Elliott, T.Y. Hilton, Will Fuller, and Deshaun Hamilton. Zeke, Hilton, Fuller, and Hamilton. Getting back Joe Mixon, Devontae Adams, and DJ Moore. Mixon, Devontae Adams, and Moore. Which side would you rather have? He's giving up the best player in the deal, but I think the next two best players are coming back to him. Did he give you the rest of his team? He did. He's got a great team. Mahomes, Saquon, Zeke, Amari Cooper, Corey Davis, T.Y. Hilton. Will Fuller, Chris Godwin, David Njoku, uh, Dallas Goddard. Uh, there you go. Deshaun Hamilton. But, okay, so he's giving up Zeke and Hilton. I love having Saquon and Zeke on the same team. He's getting Mixon and Adams. And then he's also giving up Fuller, Deshaun Hamilton, and DJ, and getting back DJ Moore. A lot of moving parts. But is it worth giving up Zeke to get Mixon and, and Adams? Would you trade Zeke and Hilton to get Mixon and Adams? I don't think I would. I would I don't in a think keeper I would league. Either. You wouldn't in a keeper league? I don't think so. Why do I feel like the, Adams has like three more good years left compared to Hilton? Am I crazy? You mean three, whatever T.Y. has left plus three? Yeah. They can't I be don't that know if it's different three. It might only be one or two more than T.Y., T.Y. is going to play until he slow, until he suffers a catastrophic injury, and then he's slow. He's one of the fastest players in football. Okay. Devontae Adams is 26. T.Y. Hilton is 29. That, yeah. 29. Really? Yeah. I didn't think he was that much older. Well, there you go. I, I got to hang on to Zeke. All right. You're telling Steve to hang on to Zeke. Heath? I'm hanging on to Zeke. Bye, everybody. Good to be back. This is the end of the show? <laughs> this is it. I forgot how to outro a show. It's been so yeah. long. So why don't you go ahead and take when, it away, Adam? When did you forget? Like before <laughs> I started working here? Yeah, I suck at outros. It used to be like a long gag that we had. Yeah. Where I'd yeah, introduce you into the outro and then you'd stumble through it because you really didn't know what to do. This was actually one of the toughest shows I've ever done. I had no idea what to talk about. And well, so- you picked some great topics. Oh. Super Bowl week. How do you not know what to talk about? Because I'm saving Super Bowl stuff for Thursday or Wednesday. Okay. It's good to be back, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later in the week. Uh, That's na, it for na, me, na, and David, Ethan, Jamie. Na na na. na, na, na.